Hey folks, Brock here. Thank you for downloading episode four of the Space Biff book Space. A quick note before the episode starts. We had our most technically difficult episode uh, full of errors and dropped calls and broken computers. Hopefully I've managed to hide most of that. Uh, you will hear some audio troubles, I think, uh, but nothing too bad. Uh, none of the recordings stay bad for more than 30 seconds or so. Uh, so if you bear with us, I think you'll enjoy this episode. And away we go. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. All right, welcome to tonight's episode of Space Biff Book Space. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, that's, that's it. That's the name of our that's podcast. The name. Uh, tonight we'll be talking about... The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley, Hugo Award winner. Uh, I am your host, Somerset Winters Thoreau. No relation. Uh, we've got Brock here and Dan. Hi. And Hello. our special guest, Tim Fowers. Hey. He is a world famous um, board game designer. Uh, Many, many call him the reincarnation of Reiner Knizia. Oh, yeah. It's wow. a, uh, it's a controversial opinion. Yeah. He's still alive. Yes, he is. That's yeah, Dr. Knizia is mostly where the controversy comes from. Uh, my wife could not believe that we had Tim Fowers on the podcast. I was like, we have Tim Fowers. He's going to guest on our podcast. And she, well, she doesn't know who that is, but... She, uh, I, I think she pretended to be impressed. <laughs> she was like, awesome. That's, that's, was like, that that's sounds, supportive. That's great. That's good. Good job. <laughs> We're going to not talk about board games tonight. A lot. Okay. Okay. Well, welcome. Welcome. Glad to be here. We're excited to have a good discussion tonight of Cameron Hurley's Hugo Award winning book, The Stars Are Legion. Legion. Yeah, that was a good echo thing going on there. Yeah. Like Every that. time we say Legion, I'm going to do it. That's oh, my goal. Oh, dear. Personal achievement. <laughs> All right, I'm, let me just edit some of the things I've written over here. <laughs> Take out our Legion. Avoid, avoid that. Trigger word. Yeah. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to, or today, whatever... It's tonight where we are. Brock is going to give us some wrong spoilers. Wrong spoilers. Nice. <laughs> All right, uh, here we go. Uh, some things that decidedly are not uh, true about the stars are legion. Star, uh, the stars are legion. Legion. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's like Starcraft. Yeah. Some some alternate titles that were considered for this book. A lot of people don't know. Cameron Hurley went through a few different titles. Uh, <laughs> some alternate titles. The Future is Moist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Like a cake uh, or bowels. Well, yeah, I mean, more like viscera. Uh, another alternate title. Meat Ship Troopers. <laughs> yep. Yep. And finally, uh, another alternate title. The stars are seriously so squishy. <laughs> yeah. 
Wrong spoiler. Uh, when we first meet Jade, she's described as looking like, quote, an 11-foot-tall butterfly with eyes like faceted dinner plates and seven-bladed limbs. But in future chapters, she seems more or less human. It's possible this description is left over from an early draft of the book. Uh, this previous description would explain, however, how she is able to fly everyone to safety in the final chapter. Uh, Did she? Well, I mean, in, in wrong spoilers world, yeah. Oh, wrong spoilers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even remember. Uh, is that a good sign? Yeah, sure, yeah, let's say it's a good sign. Like a roller coaster. Uh, another wrong spoiler, there are several scenes that include an appearance of Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg's character from Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> yeah. but, she, but, but unfortunately, okay. she never speaks. You know, these are supposed to be wrong spoilers. <laughs> that one snuck in there. Uh, this book was awarded the Nebula Award for Dampest Novel. <laughs> It's a new category. <laughs> yeah, right. It was unveiled specifically. Do I sense for some this. discomfort with um, oh, we will get with women functions <laughs> with these gentlemen who read this book? I, yeah. I would I'm like squirming. to point out, <laughs> when everything is made of meat, we have moved, we have moved past uh, the, the realm where it's womanly functions, and it just becomes... <laughs> just, just becomes... Functions. Flesh. Uh, and finally, the, the last wrong spoiler, Zan uncovers the secret of KFC's tender and juicy fried chicken, and it's more horrible than you could imagine. No, when KFC becomes something. <laughs> yeah. You better be careful. <laughs> They're going to be one of our six followers. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> Look when Uno started following you. Oh, yeah, no, we, yeah. we just oh, gave yeah. some free, free advertising. Yeah, oh yeah, it's good stuff. So let well, let's see. Each of our mothers, okay, they're going to be our fifth follower. <laughs> All right, generous. I'm the host. I keep forgetting. <laughs> the problem with rotating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm always the host, right? Okay. Yeah. Is that the uh, fiction we're we're establishing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Rock now. <laughs> yeah. Now that we um, we've gotten some wrong spoilers from you, let's hear let's hear the real synopsis of the story. Real okay. spoilers. Strap in. Uh, okay. In the far flung future, or possibly the distant past, everything is so freaking moist and wet you would not even <laughs> believe it. Yeah. Wall to squishy wall, it's all sinews and stretched skin and cilia and membranes and carapaces and corpuscles. Oh, my. Wow. Zan wakes after a failed mission. I feel attacked. <laughs> From all sides. The moisture. Uh, Zan wakes after a failed mission. Her memory consists of only fleeting details. War and dead bodies, a discarded baby, and presumably, though it's not in the text per se, an ever-present sticky wetness. Her world, or ship, as we discover the words are intertwined, is the Katajirna, a colossal living being made of flesh and fluid, which recycles the bodies of enemy and ally. There's no telling how many times any of them have been recycled, brought back to hurl themselves at their enemy, the Bavajas, 
the Bobajas have taken the Makshi, another living ship. And Zan is told that retaking it will grant her not only the glory of victory in battle, but also the reclaiming of her memory. She mounts a bulbous, clammy, living space motorcycle to lead <laughs> another attack, along with a force of 200 women. Oh, this book. <laughs> These are actual <laughs> things in this These are all real spoilers. Yeah, right. We discover that Zan's home ship has skin cancer. I'm not being flippant here. <laughs> Literally, they just say the skin of their ship has cancer. It's a threat to the life of everyone on the ship. Makes In addition sense. to restoring her memory, it seems that taking the Mokshi would provide a salvation for her people, a new place to live their soggy lives. <laughs> Zan's assault on the Mokshi is thwarted by the ship itself and by an opposing force of Bavaja soldiers who shoot cephalopods at them. Another thing that actually happens in this book. The Killing bite her them troops. Kill them. Oh, they're dangerous. Nearly, are they? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> nothing to mess with. Killing her troops and nearly killing Zan, who barely escapes back to the Kadijun. In an effort to obtain the Makshi, Zan's possibly lover slash confidant slash fellow soldier Jade is going to be married off to the leader of the Bobasha, a woman named Rosita. Jade makes it clear that this is part of a plan she and Zan made in a past life, but the details are absent from Zan's memory. We learn that Jade is prized for a unique ability to bear something special from her body. Women in this world spontaneously become pregnant, though the things they give birth to vary widely in use and horrifyingness. (laughs) And cuteness. Come on. Summer, even you... We're uncomfortable with some of the things. <laughs> oh my it's goodness. true. The Bavaja home ship is in even worse shape, as the ship itself and its people are riddled with cancer. Something about Literally Jade's cancer. Yeah. Something about Jade's <laughs> oh <my> ability <laughs> is going to be key to saving the Bavaja. Along with an entourage, Zan and her cruel master, Anat attend the wedding ceremony of Rosita and Jade on a neutral world. The world has been disputed by the two groups, and it will be a gift to the Katajirna in exchange for Jade. Anat tells Zan the world will be cannibalized to repair and sustain their own world. It's the way of things when everything is organic material. Betrayal. The Babajas use the celebration as an opportunity to ambush Anat and her people, killing all but Zan and stealing Anat's precious metal arm. They believe it is the key to controlling Katajirna, and they immediately begin their assault. Zan follows, arriving after the Babajas have breached the skin of the Katajirna. She joins her sisters in fighting off the invasion, but they are overcome. The heart of Katajirna falls to the Babajas, and they die. Zan's final thought is being thrown to the recycler monster. At this point in the book, I look back fondly at the parts of the fifth season that I thought were bleak and unpleasant. (laughs) Zan comes to at the bottom of the recycling pit. Yeah, in hell. Where a literal monster wanders among the bodies, mostly dead, but not all, eating them at its leisure. Zan is injured and caked in a vile combination of bodily fluids. 
but she manages to escape from the creature. She meets and is nursed back to health by an odd woman named Das Muni. Jade finds out about her new wife's conquering of the Katajirna and resolves to escape and return to find Zand. Meanwhile, Zan is having a series of odd and soggy adventures as she tries <laughs> to make her way from the filth-coated center of the world to the pleasant dampness of the upper levels. Uh, oh, sister, where art thou? Right, yes. Uh, she meets Casimir, uh, right? Mm-hmm. An explorer and scavenger and self-styled engineer who intentionally descends to the lowest levels in search of anything useful. Casimir agrees to help Zan and Das Muni, and soon the three of them meet others. Along the way, Zan finds clues to suggest she's come this way before, including a cryptic message about having the arm and the world. Jade gives birth to her child, a healthy baby who is looked on as the salvation of the Bavages. With the help of a former rival from Katajirna, she makes her escape, returning to her besieged homeworld. Jade and Zan are reunited, and together they enter the Mokshi. Recordings from Zan's previous visits reveal important missing parts of their history. The womb in Jade's body once belonged to Zan. Zan was the lord of the Mokshi, and together the two of them had made a plan to unite the worlds and take the Mokshi, leaving the rest of the dying worlds behind. Jade has been the cause of all of Zan's misery, betraying and manipulating her to do her bidding countless times. Zan sees that she can never go back to not knowing, but at the same time, she doesn't want to become the woman in the recordings. She faces the future and the new world as the woman she has now become. Some unused words, some unused words for wetness that I uh, jotted down, just in case I needed a few extras. Uh, Muggy, sodden, drippy, humid. Uh, clammy, I think I did use. Oh, okay. Uh, I also wrote down some body part words, pustule, orifice, duodenum, oh, ventricle, oh umbilicum. Just, I mean, just to get you in the, the mindset well, of the stars being legion. My scrotum has retracted. <laughs> <laughs> Your sphincter is clenched. It's tight. <laughs> Yikes. Delicious. Yikes, indeed. <laughs> that moist talk... That is not hyperbole. On page, I wrote this down. On page 81, Jade says that on Katajirna, when she walks, her footsteps fill with a thin film of water. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Yowza. And that was normal. That was like a good thing. Uh, she loved it. Mm. Yeah, she, she longed for that. <laughs> Who doesn't want to walk on the inside of a lung? It's a it's a it's a, it's a dove bar. It's it's moisturizing. <laughs> it's a dove bar. <laughs> and yet squishy. Yeah, yeah, no one on that ship has flaking skin. Oh no. Supple. No. They don't have the problem of the desert like us. It's, yeah. it's oil of Olay everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you, Brock. That was a great synopsis. Ooh, boy. I'm gonna go take Tim. a nap. Tim, I understand, has some bad takes on this book. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I have. Share those with us. Um, the, the 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 snarky one that uh, that I really enjoy here is um, this is these are from Goodreads. These are one star reviews. Um, 
It would be nice to have no memory of trying to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, here's here's a, just kind of a, a normal one. So I didn't like this at all. I found there are too many concepts happening and meshing together in together in gross ways. I hate organic stuff and unreliable narr- narrators no. are infuriating. The plot was was mega meh and the LGBT was weak and the violence was too much. So yeah, maybe give this one a miss. Hmm. I well. Huh. Are I mean, you about to say you agree, Brock? No, no. I was going to say, uh, well, I have two things about that. I think that if you if you don't like organic stuff, uh, yeah, Do maybe not try to read this. Maybe book. pick a different book. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, no, but I I think the LGBT thing. I think that's a weird. Like that's one of the things I want to discuss a, in a little 100% bit. hundred percent queer, right? Like well, and. And, guess and it, frankly, it's, it's not, not, it's enough, not a gimmick. No. It's not a gimmick. Yeah. It's totally earned. Oh, I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that is one of my discussion topics for in a sec. But Any other one-star reviews? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, our, our uh, discussion master today is Dan. Oh, and boy. He has been so excited to talk about this book. Let me preface this with... My great fear is childbirth. Yeah, think, it really is. I think the miracle of life is disgusting. Oh, it's vile. I can't, I can't think of anything more unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, like, like that's one of the, the, the that's one of the things that makes me think that we live in a hologram or something. Because the way we give birth, deep in my genes, I know that's not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong thing. So this book, um, I would really re- threw that in your face. Didn't yeah, it? yeah. I spent a lot of time with a retracted scrotum. Um, <laughs> so here's my first question. Let's just talk about quality. So here, so how much more did you like this than Six Wakes? So I didn't do Six Wakes. So, oh Tim. Oh okay. boy, quite a lot. Also, I'll so say quite a lot. More. Yeah. Why is that, Brock? Uh, I think it's a lot more competent. Um, you know, I I actually thought uh, we were sort of getting into some of the same territory when I was talking about being recycled, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. But it's not, I mean, it's, it's not at all. You know, there's, there's uh, very little that has to do with that. Um, yeah, I just, I thought the characters were compelling. I thought that the, the uh, you know, the mystery and, and Zan trying to, to discover her uh, her memory. I thought it was all just really well done. I liked it yeah, a lot again, more. Yeah, again, we had a story about missing memories and, uh, like you said, being recycled or being reused. Right, there's, there's certainly I mean, some all body of the, horror. All of these ideas were <laughs> yes. seemed original and complex and interesting. Sure. Yeah. I liked it more when it was called Memento. that's a rough thing to compare anything to so so what did you think tim you don't need to compare it to six weeks but what was your broad take on it um well um what was your what was your first space biff review your uh fifth season no 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 though it wasn't the one after that I because i read i read Uh, the uh the uh computer 
Oh yeah, the, th- uh, the three body problem. Had a body number problem. in it. Yeah, three, three body, body problem. problem. <laughs> um, we'll get there. Yep, this is episode five. Look how well we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> I, um, or four. I, oh. I, I liked it better than 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 three body. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that they that that I mean I I like to explore, you know, the hard sci-fi, just take an idea all the way out to its end, but. In the same way that when you take something that far and you dive that far into this alternate reality, but you try to explain too much of it, um, the seams start to show again, right? Like, sure. if you're going to have this much emphasis on exactly how this world works, then I did think it was grounded in the sense that um, the, the the characters were multifaceted and interesting. I felt like the the kind of the hero's journey down through the bowels um it was interesting but it it's like you could see the whole arc you're like okay well this is the this is the journey where we're going to meet all these people and meet all these lands and do this thing and it didn't really surprise me because i'm just like okay well that's it it almost kind of felt like a filler where it's just like okay this is going to you know we're going to have this this goal we're trying to get the arm in the world and then we're going to kind of like go through this you know all this to get there and it and it kind of felt like a long journey some of the time where it's just like okay oh yeah absolutely it was long almost like like it was kind of just filling filling pages in some places that's interesting that's an interesting perspective i'm glad we disagree on something um (laughs) i love disagreement um I think that that middle act of the book where, I mean, it's in a, it's a, in a way it's a retelling of a really classic myth. Um, I mean, it's, it's Orpheus and, uh, Eurydice, right? I mean, it's, it's going into hell and coming out of hell. I mean, there are a lot of things that kind of do that sort of narrative, uh, that you literally fall into the bowels of this thing. In this case, that's more literal than, a. Usual, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> but man, I I loved that second act. Um, uh, in fact, to me, my my broad opinion on the book is that whenever it was a Zan chapter, I was so there. I would start reading it. I would usually finish it, and then when I hit, would hit a Jade chapter, that's when I was like, "Well, I'm done for tonight." <laughs> yeah, less interested in those. Um, and maybe maybe it was the opposite. For you a bit, uh, Tim. Uh, yeah, did you yeah. did you prefer? Yeah, you liked. Um, I I, mean, you- I I actually thought the Jade stuff was you know was compelling in the sense that you know like she had the, this this kind of life and death situation and she's trying to deal with it. But I mean, it was a minority of the book. Um, mm-hmm. They fast forwarded a lot a lot of it, but you know it really felt like you know maybe she kind of met her match. You know, and she's. I mean, I like. Read. I like Machiavellian stuff, at least to, to read about, you know. So I was kind of like, "Oh, cool! They're like both, you know, finagling and whatnot." So yeah, yeah, I, 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 I thought that was fun. Right. The. Uh, <clears throat> well, let's see. I had a, I had a thought on the tip of my tongue, but I've lost it. Um, I have a thought. Okay. Those cephalopods, whenever I read about those, it made me think of Fringe when they had the uber viruses, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fringe was very biological, too, at times. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
So, I mean, I, I, I do mesh with you on, on one big point, Tim, um, where, where, like, the physics were kind of... I, like, certain descriptions, I think, were... Like, when you say fast-forwarded, I think a lot of the book was fast-forwarded, and sometimes to its detriment. And I'm, I'm, I'll just throw this out there, because I have a lot of good things to say about this book. So, so one of my negatives is at times it would rush through descriptions so quickly. Like, how long did it take you guys to realize she was on a space motorcycle? Like, I had no idea until finally she got hit and, like, spun out on it. At first, I just thought she was in a normal, like, yeah. space vehicle. Yeah. Oh, no, because I... Cause no, because... Yeah, it showed ahead, her. Right? It showed her repairing it and like. Yeah, like reaching into his guts and. and no, I knew it was organic, it. Yeah. but I had no <laughs> idea she was like straddling it. That she was in open atmosphere, like open vacuum. Um, but then when she was spun off and the way it finally described people riding them, it was it was near the end of that sequence, and I had pictured something totally different until it got to that description. And there were a few moments like that where. Um, it, it was so fast paced at times that like they'd go to a village, like here's the engineers, here's some politics, and then like oh we're leaving. Um, it, in fact, there despite the length of that middle act, I kind of wished that it would have fleshed out a little bit more of some of the people and cultures that they encountered. I I was really digging that part, it, but maybe it, it would did, have been boring. It did seem to rush through some of that. I, I felt like as well. Um, and I, I feel like maybe it was trying to strike the balance of not not overstaying its welcome, mm-hmm. you know, and providing enough information. I thought I think there are some really interesting ways that it it doesn't doesn't give you all the information, and you just sort of have to you know feel feel your way in the dark almost that you know yeah. you're, you're just experiencing this through through the, the eyes of people to whom everything is normal. Uh, I, I think a, a weird example of that is uh, Casimir gives one of them an apple, and they say it's an apple, and they're like spitting out hairs and peeling off the spiny skin of it. And I just yeah. thought, I thought that was really just kind of a, a neat and, and an effective way of... Uh, Subverting... And kind of causing a, a, I guess, discomfort, but but uh, disorientation, and just right. like this is not a world that you are familiar with. And, and Cameron Hurley, Hurley likes to do that. She's done that in previous works. We're, I'm gonna, I, I want to talk about another example in a little bit, uh, but it ties into a different topic. What, Summer, what are you thinking? I was just gonna say I, I didn't feel rushed at all. It, so I disagree with you. Nice. That it was good that you felt it was too quickly. Nice. Too quick because she was on this journey to get back to the surface. That was her goal. So she was never gonna stay anywhere long. So it makes sense to me that she wouldn't stay and try and figure stuff out where she was because her goal was to get out of there. Right. So I felt it was that was necessary and just part of it. And plus that's not her world. It wasn't familiar to her, so why would she wanna stay in Right they're longer than she needed to. Right. And, and in point of like the, in response to Tim's point, um, about the physics and the gravity, it was bugging me a little bit. One of the first things whenever I read sci-fi that I ask myself is, is this science, science fiction, or is it social (laughs) studies, science fiction? 
and and I feel like really early on I was like, okay, so this wants to talk more about like the horror of our bodies. Well, and, and this was wants, <laughs> I mean, you know, this was fantasy it's to a large extent. Uh, right? No, it is. It is anatomy park. Uh, it's Rick and Morty going through the gross attractions in anatomy park, and. Um, so, so I got over that pretty quickly. Like early on, when I was like, "Man, these guys are zipping past like ten planets in like three minutes," I yeah. was like, "What on earth?" Uh, but you know, yeah, on on jettisoned, you know, you know, juices that that propel them to somewhere <laughs> yeah, speed. Yeah, you you travel by diarrhea. Um, <laughs> They've gone plaid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, well, and and also, I feel like a lot of those those little worlds they encountered. We're kind of like um, B-list. Like the author is like, "Oh, here's some other ideas of what what it would be like to live on an organic world, and let's just make them into other layers in the same world." And I'm like, "That's clever on one side, and the other side, it's kind of like, well, why wasn't the book about that thing instead of the thing that you made it? Like, it's it's like a bunch of like different takes on it in the same book." Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so as as someone who studies a lot of history, I was really maybe that's part of why I liked that middle act so much is. To me, it was really about peeling peeling back the strata of yeah. this world, and I I really like that kind of thing. I, I like it when cultures can barely communicate. You know, I, this is a bad thing a lot of the time, but I, I think it's really interesting when cultures struggle to communicate, even when they're close in proximity. Um, yeah. And you know, he, here in her thing, she's running into cultures that are have dramatically different systems of morality and values and you know one you know they eat people and one like the ritual for the dead isn't the way they're honoring them in uh, Iraq and Dash's culture is they chow down Um, and 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 on the one hand you know it's like ew gross cannibalism on the other I'm going yeah absolutely in this world um where I can everything see why is that's, right. I can see why that's reverence. Everything is flesh, so waste, right. So what's the what's the is, difference? Yeah. So so that this is a good time to segue into my next question. What is your favorite use for intestines? <laughs> um, or uh, let's talk about the body horror and what you think the function of that is. The the body horror. Oh yeah. So, so when I say body body horror is a uh, so in horror the genre uh, body horror is um, it's kind of it's the part it's the cross the subgenre of horror that's very much about our discomfort with our own bodies um, okay. with your body changing sometimes permanently like the the horror of torture isn't just pain it's that your body will never be the same. Uh, as it was. Oh, the werewolf transformation, that kind of stuff. Yeah, werewolf transformation. Or uh, if you've seen District 9, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. where the main character yeah. is transforming into something that he considers horrifying. Yeah, that's our whole um, sy- so sympathetic it, nervous system going off. Right. So yeah. so tell me about that. What do you think the function of that is here? Uh, and do you think it was effective? So uh, I, c- I can jump in with something that I wrote toward the beginning uh of reading this. Go for it. Uh, that I said, it's everything I hated about MTV in the nineties. <laughs> it's, it's Aeon flex body horror. It's those tool music videos oh, that were yeah. just lingering shots of raw meat, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, just trying to be edgy and gross. And, oh, uh, so, so there was a point where the, the body horror was kind of, uh, 
was kind of irritating me. Um, but I think, but I think that, you know, it served the purpose of, uh, evoking a response, which is what, I mean, which is what this book set out to do and it, it succeeded. Um, and I do think, you know, like I mentioned earlier it, to, to disorient, to, you know, to, to make you a little uncomfortable and, and this is not your world. You know, this is, this is something entirely foreign. Um, I didn't, I didn't react. I mean, I, there was gross stuff. I don't, don't get me wrong, but I mean, I can I grew up on a farm and, <laughs> and so a lot of, a lot of really gross things like, you know, walking through knee high manure and, and, and seeing dead animals and seeing animals getting skinned. Like I, I, I had a lot of exposure to a lot of that. And so to me, I'm just like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't want to be there, it, but at the same time, I'm not, I didn't find myself like really repulsed by, by the situation. Sure. Um, you know, for me, so I, I've worked on uh, ranches, and so I, I get what you're saying, Tim. Um, nothing will disabuse you of your uh, compunctions faster than castration season. Oh, yeah. Been there. <laughs> and, um, and, and dehorning, yeah. Yeah, like all sorts of, you know, you're digging stuff out of a living creature. And, um, and feeding it to the dog, yeah. <laughs> but, um,. But so it, it was. It was really so. There were two types of body horror going on, and one was them occupying this this meat world, but the other one was what was occurring to their bodies as they traveled through that meat world, and it was this idea that um, their pregnancy, their bodies had been hijacked in service of the ship itself. Uh, yeah, you know that that uh, the one the one character squats down and gives birth to a bunch of snakes um and you're kind of well what's the function of these squirmy <laughs> right. little snakes and someone else gives birth to a gear um you know i mean the the that was bothering me more, way more than the fact that they that people were living in cities carved into meat oh yeah, yeah that, oh, absolutely. That, that was that was disturbing but the invasion of of their bodies yeah, but yeah. it's one of those things, like, if you're engineered for that, like, you know, I don't know. Th th there's this whole, like, humans adapt, and that's why they're, like, everything has become kind of normal in this. And um, and some of them, the having weird babies is normal. For other ones, it's not. But just for this system to evolve, um, I like, like th it just seems weird that they're in this symbiotic relationship and and it's and it still seems weird to them and that it's also so separated it's not more integrated like they don't you know they didn't get into any you know psychic communication with anything um they didn't you know this was all like everything was still all these separate entities in this big symbiotic system but they couldn't really communicate we are though we are kind of seeing the weirdness through Zan's eyes though, right? Cause it's, yeah, she's... you know, there are several characters who are just sort of take their, you know, their gear pregnancies in stride. And yeah, but I mean, Zan had a, you know, she originally was going to have worlds, right? Like that was her, her thing. 
Right. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, her, yes, she was on a different planet than the one she was from, but she's still been, you know, for countless generations been doing this. And the fact that, that even through natural selection, that people would be more okay with that than they were. I kind of think that, uh, that it actually wasn't part of their original makeup to be birthing these things. One of the ideas at the at very end of the book is that they're, these are ships, and they've been hijacked by these organic... Yeah, that's my assumption. ...ship world monsters, and the witches are part of that, and they... Um, I think that all of these women on these ships have been... Oh. Enslaved because yeah, Zan I, talks about needing to reprogram right. her planet to get out of this cannibalistic world legion universe terrible place, <laughs> right. and they're like, trying to escape and get out of there. Oh. Like they reveal that there's metal behind all of the uh, the flesh. Well, yeah. So that my impression was that the ship was because, as you said, Summer. Near the end of the book, it talks a lot more about that there's metal through the walls. Um, they talk kind of almost bitterly about a being that I, I feel like they were saying had taken over the ship. And I don't know if it was something that was their own engineering that had gone, you know, skewampus. Yeah, or... I, I think it's very possible that these ships that they are traveling on in the Legion were engineered to be organic like this. But like a lot of organic things, it got out of control. And it got so out of control that it's <clears throat> commandeered the residents' bodies such that the ones that are on these cancerous planets, it's taken over them to make them make their bodies produce what it needs to continue to survive. Whereas on Zan's planet, on Mokshi... She has regular children. That was her womb that created a child. Yeah. And it was um, it was Rasida's womb that birthed a, the new oh, world yes. to save Mokshi because, you know, Jade exploded it. Okay, so Tim, two-minute rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, just the, the, pra- the practical nature of how well they are designed to keep people alive. Um, I think that from the beginning, them birthing body parts was part of the plan. Like it's not like invasion. Um, you know, it, this whole, the whole immaculate conception stuff is, is literally just, that was how things were going They're They're factories and they're going to help make things. So this whole thing can work. Maybe so. Here's where here's where maybe I think I think it does it's really well self-regulating now. Except for the fact that they're all dying. Yeah. <laughs> except for that small problem. Um <laughs> pretty far. Here's maybe here's maybe where I would disagree a little bit is that so Zan has had her memories reset. But I don't think she is ha- so she, but she's still an organism that has ostensibly evolved with this ship. And she she, without her memories, without that cultural acceptance, she still has a biological understanding that women are supposed to have human babies. Um, 
she hasn't reverted to some evolved state. She's reverted to our state, which kind of leads me to think it isn't, it isn't really engineered into them deliberately. Like they're not supposed to expect to give birth to gears and snakes. Um, as, as human beings, they still have that expectation. I mean, she expresses total shock at, at the way that pregnancy operates. Um, you know, when she's traveling through, through those vi- villages, and then when one of her companions gives birth to a gear. Um, Very tender moment. You know, I... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, for the one who gave birth, not for anybody else. Everyone else is just like, eh. Ugh. Yeah. It's I mean, so, I mean, ultimately we can't know. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Tim. No, no, I was just, I was just interjecting. I mean, ultimately, we can't know, and and I think that that's part of the fun of the world, is that um, I could see it going either way. Uh, I, you know, we're, we are seeing it through the perspective of not only people who inhabit the world, but someone who inhabits the world without really knowing anything about the world, other than some of her, like, muscle memory uh, skills, like being able to work on certain stuff, or she's good at kicking people in the... Yeah, in the tummy and you know. <laughs> yeah um i mean there's i think that the whole ecosystem you know is like okay well there's the, the ecosystem of a planet but then you see the scope of everything else and and yes the cancer is just like well the dna is now kind of breaking down this the system over these generations has reached its limits and they've also started to can the, the planets are cannibalizing each other um fighting for the last bit of organic matter um and uh there was this whole experiment they did in minecraft where they had like one you know mile you know cube of of minecraft and no one could bring resources uh from outside you could only be in that space and and it was just interesting to watch people just fight over these resources and eventually they took everything down to the bedrock like they just stripped the whole thing bare, fighting for these mm. resources, and that's kind of what I see happening at a high level with these these kind of planets. Um, and I don't know; it's just like it's just end of life. It's just like there isn't they, they set these planets on, you know, on they created these sustainable planets. They can live for thousands of years in space, which is a big deal. But then they didn't think about like okay, five thousand years in the future when the DNA breaks down, when you run out of organic material and there's just nothing more, you know, that's, that's what I think the interesting, you know, arc is because it's like, I think Mm -hmm. it's a clever idea, the planet, but. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, I had been picturing like death stars that have got goo on the wall. So, (laughs) so cool plan, but uh, the women are kind of, uh, not liking this anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, and their ancestors. The use of their up. bodies. Well, so do we? Do we think Cameron Hurley is using that to make a point um, about our own society, um, about limited resources and the depletion of a planet? Um, and if so, what's the point? Uh, what point is she making about women? I, w- I would love for us to muse on her use of um, an all-female cast. Uh, because, like we said a little bit earlier, I think it is not a gimmick. I think the story totally earns the fact that it has this big cast of women. 
Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Brock, why don't you start? You know, I, I think that you sort of touched on it that, you know, it's, uh, it's talking about, you know, how we, you know, maybe an approach to how we treat and use, you know, use women in, in, uh, in our world today. Um, you know, these, there are things about these women's lives that are entirely out of their control. And in many cases, they, they have accepted that role and Zan is seeing this as, you know, she, she is an outsider for, uh, for lack of memory. And she is seeing it as, I mean, as a, a horrible thing, you know, she's seeing these, uh, these monstrosities that are being birthed and the, uh, the unjustness of it that it seems that, you know, this world is using these women uh, for its purposes. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's really, really effective and really kind of a fascinating uh, use of, of that, uh, that limitation, you know, of only having female characters. I think it's interesting that, um, in a way, it's a realization of sort of this, you know, that there's almost the, uh, like, straw man feminism, like, women would be better without any men at all. And it, that certainly, it doesn't seem much better, uh, even with, even with reproduction is just, you know, they're, they're autosexual. They, they just get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still sexual politics going on. And the sexual politics still have to do with people's lives being bartered. Um, what, Summer, what's your take on this? You're a female. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Um, Confirmed. I... <laughs> I... <laughs> um, I I liked that this was a story that you would never be able to write this story about a group of men. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. No immaculate conception is going to be happening among men in a, like, you know, um, you can't see this story being populated by men at all. Right. Unless you're willing to, like, really mess with them and have these babies tear through their urethras. <laughs> right. Which would be... The most awful body horror. It would be ever, even worse. Which I, I, I kind of liked. It was interesting, but at the same time, I was like, "This still doesn't feel quite right because there aren't two different sexes." And I, I did feel a little uncomfortable about that. I, re- I actually did, but I, but at the same time, I liked that it was all women, and you know, they were warriors and they were tacticians and. They could survive. It's just they sure had a weird ecology going on. I felt they were recognizably women, too. Mm-hmm. I think they were, you know, some of the ways that I feel like we identify women um, as written by a female author is they had, they had a lot of internality. Interesting, um, yeah. There were, you know, one of the things that I have liked about some of our past authors when they're women is just how much 
they portray their women as conditioned to doubt themselves and having to press through that. Um, and and I was wondering if Cameron Hurley was being intentional about that. For someone who, like Zan, spends a lot of time doubting herself, for someone who's such a kick-ass and take-names kind of girl, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's insanely competent, and she still has those reservations tugging at the back of her mind. Uh, Tim, we haven't heard from you on this. What do you think? Um, well, I mean... I can see an argument that this is definitely like a, a big handmaid's tale kind of like you, these women are being kind of used, but then I'm like, well, what about the planets? Right. I mean, they're being used by the people, right? I mean, so them giving birth to this part that, that eventually keeps them alive. Like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know the morality of that. So that's an interesting question because I, I was wondering because, you know, obviously right now there's a lot of discussion about uh, female body autonomy. This universe does not have that. I mean, um, they're still living off of the ship. That's true. Um, but they don't, they don't, they, you know, you have literally no say in whether you get pregnant, what you get pregnant with. Um, yeah, but they do barter in uteruses, so there's... Yeah, they do that. They do swap their uteruses pretty willy-nilly, it seemed like. I found it very strange that they could swap uteruses and bring people back to life from floating in space, but they couldn't fix Jade's leg. I thought that was weird. She was still limping. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, that's <laughs> I don't a, know what, up, what was up with that. That's, a, well, that's fridge here. logic. Das Mooney can be brought back from, like, near okay. death. Here is one of my questions. But Jade can't um, get her leg fixed, like her tendon or whatever. If you were going to have, if you were going to die, how would you like to come back from the dead? Because <laughs> what was with the Ginny bringing back Das Mooney from the dead? That part was weird. Were they all just hallucinating? Was it all just a dream in the so, crystal caverns? So in case somebody hasn't... Uh, so, Brock, yeah. your your synopsis just jumped right over this weird part. So so they're in that cavern where they're running out of water. And um, they're all dying of thirst. And then, like, a uh, stalactite falls from above. And Das Mooney pushes um, Zan out of the way and gets impaled. Oh, yes, yes. And she's... Like and and uh, like impaled almost all the way yeah, like, through. Like like <laughs> like pinned like a butterfly to a collector board, and then um, and then when Zan wakes up the next day, uh, Das Mooney is totally fine, and uh, and she goes, Nah, a Ginny saved me, and Arak and Dash is just like, Yep, <laughs> right. Yeah, was, that seemed a little out there. Okay. Maybe I, the author yeah. was like, whoops, I didn't mean to really kill Das Mooney. I think she's important. Oh, Das Mooney. <laughs> that, that, oh, like, that was like an end of episode cliffhanger. That yeah. Would be back, you know. See, that was one of my favorite parts of the book. Was it? Yes. It, because it was very much like a classic like a myth. myth. Yeah, that, oh, okay. that these forces, that these people are laboring in this underworld, just packed with forces so far beyond their control that it is totally matter of course that it could kill you or save you. And you don't get to understand why. <laughs> you just 
continue on with your mortal toil. Hmm. It is so Greek. Uh, yeah. So you guys. So it seems mor- like you guys didn't toil. like it as much. Sorry, Tim. What were you saying? There's there's a lot of mortal toil. Like it's very just human condition. You know, you know we're all this. You know, viscera and I don't know. There it, it was that I got. I thought that kind of the philosophical, you know, musings about you know what we all are was. I, I really like that. Sure. What about you, Brock? What do you think? I. I, I like that I was right about uh, the, the Greek uh, connection. Um, I like being right on occasion. <laughs> well, I could be no, right, I think, too. I think you're, I think you're, you and I are both correct about this. Uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it's a descent into hell, and then it's, it's uh, you know, the, the journey back home. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I just think... It's a, it's very effectively done, and and the the weirdness just sort of adds to. Um, I you know I think it doesn't it doesn't take away from the effectiveness of of the story. Right. Now, so I I reread one of my favorite works of Cameron Hurley um, in preparation for tonight. Um, now, a few years ago, she wrote an essay. You might have heard of it. Um, it won the Hugo in 2014 for Best Related Work. And it's a pretty short essay. Um, it's called We Have Always Fought, Challenging the Women, Cattle, and Slaves Narrative. Have you guys heard of yeah, that? Yeah, I actually, I actually read mm-hmm. that uh, just a few days ago. You know, back in 2014? No, just recently. So it's, it's interesting because you brought up the apple, Brock. Uh, and how she she says this is an apple, and then says, "Oh, it's hairy and spiky, and and very different from what we expect an apple to be." Um, she begins that essay uh, in a really interesting way. She she talks about let's say that you you hear about a llama, but and everyone knows the same details about llamas that you do. Uh, they know that they're scaly, and <laughs> that they swim in water and like to frolic. And she gives all these details about llamas, and and the point that I that she's making is is a bit about enculturation, that your that your experiences are often less important than the kind of the peer pressure experiences that are communicated to you from outside. Mm. So even if you know you hear about a llama that's not scaly and frolics in the water. Um, even if you see that new llama with your own eyes, you have so much burden telling you um, that that's what llamas are that it's hard for you to believe anything mind, else. She talks I, about your mind I, just flushes that particular llama because it doesn't gel with what you've been told. And so you don't even remember seeing that yeah. llama that, that didn't match the, you know, the... the right. This yeah, fish exactly. llama. Right. And... Um, and the point of and the point of her uh, this essay, which I think is a wonderful essay, is talking about women's participation in uh, war and battle and resistance movements, and how women have always been warriors, um, but because there's this enculturation that tells you women shouldn't fight, women shouldn't fight, women aren't in war, women aren't in war, um, even if you find all these historical examples of like women Vikings. in war, like Vikings, 
uh, or Zulu female warriors, or the fact that s- somewhere between two and three out of seven fighters and resistance movements on average are female. Um, even though you might know these things, your mental vision of a fighting force is still male. Um, and I, and read and kind of thinking back on that, I felt like this book was very much a direct um, continuation of that thesis. And uh, I really wanted to get your guys' take on that. I'm so glad you've read that essay before, Brock. Um, what, what do you guys think about um, this book and maybe how it defies expectations in that way or recasts women as uh, warriors? I, I think it's important that it doesn't hang a lantern on it. It doesn't. It doesn't say there are no men, so we, you know, so women fill all the roles. It, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. not there's not. <laughs> well, that would how be it is. Yeah, that right? would be a there's bit not a male pronoun in the whole thing. You know, there's it. It is not. It is not what the book is about, as much as. Yeah, this is just their. Ex- this is their know, existence. Yeah, exactly. As much it is as it is taken as this is reality and this, you know, and this is the story that's being told in this reality. Um, and I think, I think it's great. I think it's a, you know, it, it's a fantastic continuation of that, that idea that we have always fought idea. What do you think summer as our token <laughs> female? Hey, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I have to think about it. I need to process for a minute. Okay. Tim, do you have anything you want to toss in there? Um, no, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I I, I just, you know, the, it, I took the conceits of the world and I was like, I was, um, I didn't really think about it. I, I, yeah, I didn't perceive it as, as trying to um, make any strong, you know, statement about it. It was just, this is, it, it was, it was very self-consistent, you know, just sure. like, yeah, in like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like everybody can jump and fly, and and that was just a conceit of the, of the world. Yeah, right. And you know, and and everyone's okay with it. Like, there's not it's not weird. It's just everyone does it, and that's what I felt here. I don't I don't know that I have any particular insight on, you know, any deeper meaning to the use of 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 women in it. Um, I mean, I don't know. My my personal history is that. I, you know, most of the women, um, in growing up and in my life have always been very, uh, uh, self-determined. Like they do exactly, you know, they follow my mom's a woodworker. My cousin does karate. Like they've all been very strong women. So for me, I, I didn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't really that challenge the worldview for strange me. Strange to you. Like, you know, I'm like, sure. Right. You know, I and I wonder too if I, I think you're right when you say it doesn't really belabor it, um, and I I think in not making a point, it's making a point. Yeah, I I think that yeah. by not sitting there and being like, look at these women, they can do it too. It's very deliberately not doing that because I think it's saying, of course, women are doing this. Um, of course, women are these mothers and their symbiotes with these planets. And of course they're warriors and of course they're autocrats and of course they're diplomats and of course they're politicians and women just are, and it doesn't need to make the point. And I, I think that is it making a point. Um, 
and I think that aspect was beautifully done. I was really excited when I uh, realized that. At first, you know, you meet women characters, and I'm just going, okay, okay, okay. And then it, and it, it didn't dawn on me that this was a woman-only world until, like, 200 women walk in to attack the uh, Mokshi. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, well, are women dominant? And then, uh, you know, over time, uh, there's the, the omission confirms that no there there are just no men at all and of course women are are doing this it never needs to make the point um have you had some some time to put your thoughts in order summer um well i i I had a thought and then and then it's it's flown away on a (laughs) on a motorcycle monster into space a diarrheaing space monster <laughs> well if you have if you have a thought feel free to uh jump back to this um, um no I, I i do think it makes that point because it's all it is all women and i think of i think of lots of science fiction stories that i read that there were never women mentioned in them and so it's like well how did that world work how did you know children exist if women weren't in this world and in this this universe it makes sense because women are the carrier carriers of children and apparently parts of their ship planets and so it works it's like it is a self-contained system that actually works versus other science fiction stories in which women are non-existent it's like well how did that happen yeah you still have to well one thing i thought was uh, sorry, I'll, I was just going to say you still have to sort of take <laughs> it for granted that, you know, when you're reading an Isaac Asimov story and there are no women, it's still it's still mm-hmm. taken for granted. Well, women exist somewhere because people exist. Yeah. Right. It's seri- is, serious men having serious discussions. Which is not cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, women are part of those serious discussions. I didn't actually read the book. I did the, the book on tape. Oh, cool! As it were, and, was it a uh, good recording? The, the yeah, the female narrators were fantastic. Oh, cool! I believe there was, was it more than one. I think Zan and Jade were different narrators, but I'm, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. You know, one thing I liked is that in a way it kind of answered a question early on. I was like, man, I don't think this world makes any sense. Like, where is anything coming from? <laughs> and then the answer was worse than I could have thought yeah. because <laughs> it was the miracle of life. <laughs> Over and over Just forever. and over again. I didn't. Um, I didn't feel like it really answered <laughs> how the recycling worked, though. Because, so, so they. Yeah. So she falls into okay. hell, and she and Das Muni walk around the sphere that is at the center of this world. Right. How is anything getting pumped up? I think the recycler was actually just their word for garbage can. And um, the, because, but the but the planet, they talk about the planet absorbing things like on uh, Kazerna. Kazerna, it would absorb right. like blood. So like yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jade says that on her planet, that the blood of the servant girls would have been absorbed, and so there wouldn't have been any trace. But on the broken cancer planet the blood wasn't absorbed because that planet was super broken. Mm. So I think it's just a, I think it, I think maybe the recycling just happens all the time. One, it's true that the world is alien enough that I don't think we can even take their explanation for things as truth. 
necessarily. Yeah. Like, yeah, they could be saying recycling, and it just it means dumping people in a hole, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. So I have one last question, and then and then we can have uh, you folks add anything else if you have some stray thoughts. My last question is: If you had to give birth to a cog, <laughs> a sw- a swarm of edible snakes, oh my gosh, or inexplicably an entire planet, which would you choose and why? Wait, an inexplicably a planet? Yeah, like a whole planet. I think I'd want to be a birther of worlds for sure. Yeah? So explain that. You're the only one here who's given birth. <laughs> so we're going to take yours as the baseline. Um, well, I think that certainly sounds the most important of all those things. Like, okay. let's have a new planet that can... Apparently, you know, in Zan's world, she reprogrammed her ship... You know, with a by computer means, magical computer yep, means, and a metal arm. By by tugging. That maybe this new planet's going to be better than the one they, once they've tu- been living on. Yeah, I, when they talk about programming a world, I'm like, well, do you like just handshake its fleshy tendrils? Like, <laughs> how are you programming? It's metal, honey. It's a ship. Yeah. Okay. It's a ship with organic. All right, Tim. What would you give birth to? <laughs> um, I know that gear was the gear was pretty cuddly yeah no i'm it's, with you makes a good, I, I would give birth to a, a gear oh my gosh and that's a little cute right you know i think that's I, why I mean, i'm the woman in this cuddle. group and you guys are the the men giving birth to gears and stuff yeah <laughs> well i don't have a birth canal <laughs> well you've got other kinds of canals <laughs> okay, so Orifices. so Tim and I are saying gear. Brock, are you, are you wanting to crap out a bunch of edible snakes? Oh, it's snakes all the way, baby. <laughs> snakes, just really all microscopic ones. I'm just thinking about the discomfort of any of these options. I'm glad that we're on a team here. You know, I yeah, birth to the world. All contributing. You guys got between the all of us, and we fill every need. <laughs> uh, we repair ourselves. We we make a world, repair the world, and then feed ourselves. Perfect. Okay. That's all the discussion I had. What any any stray thoughts that you folks have wanted to discuss? Um I I thought the I mean, I know it's it's kind of been hashed over in other media, but that that you know, and and, and it was maybe overplayed a little bit, but just the whole like arguing with your past selves. You're like, I thought this was important at some point. And it, and this is something you run into actually in programming. They say programming is arguing with yourself in the past, with a past version of yourself. Like you wrote this code, and now you're 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 fighting with what intent you had in the past about what you want it to do. And I think that her whole memory cycling, like she's got the information and it's really just destroyed her, and other times she's forgotten it. And now she's just kind of become her new person. That's great. That's a good, nice ending. But just that whole, like, there are these other versions of you, and they're kind of parallel versions of you, but they're kind of... You you bear the scars of those people at the same time. Like, it's... The, philos- the ph- philosophy behind that, I mean... And it's not the first, you know, thing to do it. I just think it's interesting. Have you ever... I, I was wondering if Cameron Hurley had played a video game called... Planescape Torment. Have you guys played that? 
I, I, I know the, the premise. Yeah, I, I'm familiar as well. Because um, in that, it's about a guy who, every time he dies, he comes back, but without his memories. And um, Spoiler alert, but this game is like a billion years old, so it's kind of on you. Um, <laughs> at the end, he goes to a fortress that's built of like the negative energy of all these lives he's lived. Um, and he has a bunch... It's a very philosophical game, and he ends up having philosophical debates with his previous selves. Um, some were crazy, some were very practical, some were had different motives, they were evil or good. Um, and it's it's a really interesting idea, and I, and I think it leans really heavily on this idea that you are more nurture than nature, <laughs> almost. Yeah. That you're the sum of what happened to you this cycle. Uh, well, and yeah, that, well, and that's the discussion too. Is like, what is you in this case? You know, like that person is you, and you are you. You know, and there's nurture, but there's just this. What is the what is the the quint, the quintessence of of you? And these are just two reflections of that. And sure. and also just the idea of like, the, it's the parallel universes thing too, where like these are other paths I could have gone down or paths I have gone down. Sure. So, you get five dollars for using the word quintessence. Mm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. What 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 do you what do, what do you think about that, Brock? Um, yeah, I think I think that's something. Sort of the whole book explores is just you know identity if you if you don't remember you know past mistakes are you, you know, what do you have in common with the person who made those mistakes you know are you sure you know, are you still that uh, that person when you when you continue to make the same mistakes or you overcome that yeah, i think it's i think it's a great uh, exploration of that Man, even with memory, I feel like that's true. I mean, does anyone else look back on themselves when you're in junior high or anything and go, man, who did that? Oh, totally. <laughs> who was that? Who's that idiot? <laughs> Why did I think that and do that? Yeah. Why yeah, did I like palettes well, so it's, much? I think a good example, too, is just how, I mean, you know, there's a lot of philosophy about memory and identity, because, like, you'll be in a dream, and you'll be in an entirely different reality, right? And the rules are different, and you're different, but you're just there, and you play through whatever this dream is, and then you wake up, and now you, you're in this whole different life. And and we shift between these modes constantly of these different versions of ourselves, like, every day. My dreams are mostly about my family dying. The other day I woke up and I was in such a deep sleep that I thought I was still dreaming for like an hour. <laughs> Summer was kind of like, no, you're not dreaming. we got to get stuff done. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> Will you please drive the car now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was yesterday. <laughs> oh, was it? It was our 10-year anniversary yesterday. Maybe that's why. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Our... Uh, Summer's mom reminded us. That was nice of her. Yep. Yeah. You should at least put it on your calendar. Nah. We tried to make it memorable because that is 1098. 
Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what still hasn't helped. Yeah, we, we still don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you made it a mnemonic and it failed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, at that point, there's nothing for it. Well, I liked that discussion topic, Tim. Anyone else have anything else? No. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for today's discussion on the Stars Are Legion. Brock will announce our next month's book. So if you want to join in and read with us, um, make comments before we do our next broadcast. Yes. Go right ahead, Brock. Okay. As long as it isn't a high fantasy thing that's 500 pages or more. Oh, I have great news for you. It's, uh... <laughs> Wait, I was trying to check the page count, but I think it is, yeah, just under 500, so we're okay there. Please, please join us in reading The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. Uh, this is one that I have read before and really enjoyed. Uh, I like Catherine Addison's writing a great deal. Uh, she also writes as Sarah Monette and is exceptionally talented and... I think this will make for a fun discussion. Awesome. Cool. Cool. And uh, thanks so much for joining us, Tim. That was yes, fun. thank you. That was great yeah, to have yeah. another voice in our discussion. Yeah. Another moist meat flapping against itself. <laughs> oh. The way that you, the way that we speak, is by blowing air past meat. It's all it's meat. All, it's all it's meat, meat all it's the all way meat. down. It's all, it's all meat and menage. Oh, I was good. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Ew. Ew. I was, I was going to include that in in our intro, something about, <laughs> about menage, but uh, I guess luckily I forgot. Luckily Darn for it. all of us. <laughs> all right.